everyone. It's another director's spotlight with Find Your Film. This time, it is Eric Holmes's turn. By the way, before we get to the name of the filmmaker we're spotlighting, I, I, I just decided to bury the lead because I love lo- looking at the names on our Zoom discussion with within our homes. Eric Holmes, obviously a reference to what we're covering, right, Eric Holmes? It is. It is. Uh, should I should I mention what we're covering? Yes, why don't you mention? What are we covering? Who are we covering this week? We're covering a uh, director, Oscar Michaud, who is known as one of the first black filmmakers, if not the first black filmmaker. I think there was a, a in in my uh, words words research words, research <laughs> research. research. Yeah. I guess there was a uh, a film company with a number of black filmmakers within it. So he may not have been the first, but he's widely regarded as the first. So yeah, don't hold my feet to the fire on that. I'm just regurgitating information that I read, but uh, it, it seemed like a, it seemed like a good, uh, definitely a filmmaker I knew nothing about. And I don't even think I've heard of his name. Maybe it's come around, but uh, it seemed like uh seemed like something to dive into. And quite honestly, I'm glad we did, but more on that to come. More on that to come. Bruce Perky, you are calling yourself. Your moniker this week is Perky Woods. I'm trying to think of the movies that we we watch this week. I'm trying to. I'm sure I'm going to kick myself in the head when I'm thinking about what Perky Woods means. Obviously, it's a reference to one of the movies we 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 saw this week. Yeah, I think something takes place in Piney Woods in this, so that's yeah, kind of close to Perky Woods. So <laughs> that's all. That's all I could come up with. I'm not very creative on this one. Sorry, <laughs> but Bruce, I had never heard of Oscar Michaud until you know when Eric Holmes mentioned Oscar Michaud three weeks ago or two or three weeks ago. I said I had no idea idea who this person was did you have any idea who oscar michaud was and how no yeah no i i i had vaguely heard the title within our gates but i didn't even know what that was so no it was all new to me okay it's all new to us here's the thing this this director's spotlight on oscar michaud is just a sample platter and it's not even it's not even a platter maybe a little a morsel because oscar michaud had such a huge career as a producer writer filmmaker he directed so many films specifically the movies that we are covering this week is the 1920 film within our gates as eric holmes mentioned and also the second one is the 1925 feature body and soul the reason why uh, body and soul i'm so excited that we're going to talk about is it stars it's written and directed by Oscar Michaud, based on Oscar Michaud's novel, based on his own novel, and it's headlined by Paul Robeson. And to increase my ignorance, the only the only thing I think I've seen Paul Robeson in is maybe Showboat when he sang Old Man River. Okay, so I was so excited to see Paul Robeson and Oscar Michaud work together. Eric Holmes, was that why why you wanted to pick Body and Soul and Within Our Gates as maybe two of the movies that we're spotlighting this week? Well, pick Within Our Gates. I when I came up when I found his name, Within Our Gates, I guess was a response to uh, what's the uh, what's Birth the racist movie Birth of a Nation, and yeah. so that seemed that seemed like a I, I haven't seen Birth of a Nation. Maybe uh-huh. I should. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't. I don't know. Body and Soul was, uh, you brought it up, and I had no idea where, you know, I was flying blind on this. And when you said Body and Soul, I'm like, sounds good to me. And uh turned out that was another banger, too. So, 
Yeah, that was, you know, definitely that was another banger as well. I, the reason why I mentioned bang, uh, Body and Soul to Eric Holmes is because I, that was a mistake on my part. I thought Body and Soul was a reference to a, a Billy Holiday song, but actually that was a, I was actually thinking of the, I think 1947 or 1948 movie that starred John Garfield, mm-hmm. <laughs> the late John Garfield. And so I, that was just a drop out. I just decided to, to mention that. Luckily for us, body and soul is a significant, uh, significant story. And I'm so glad we did not screw the pooch on that one. So we were lucky, Eric, on, on body and soul and, and within our gates, great choice as well. Now we're going to start off first with within our gates, released 1920. The length is an hour and 19 minutes. It says here it's an hour 19 minutes. We saw, I think each of us saw different versions of the movie. We're going to get into that in a second. I saw it on the Criterion channel. And here's the thing about Within Our Gates. it It's an interesting movie, but a lot of it, I think this, this movie, it was lost for 40 or 50 years from 1920. It was discovered, rediscovered, I think in 1970 in Spain. A print of it was in Spain. And the English intertitles, had been completely lost. So what's so interesting about Within within Our Gates is it's an interesting silent film, but it's really silenced in the fact that a lot of the dialogue is sort of people trying to make an approximation of what Oscar Michaud was trying to say with his story. Now, here's the, the plot summary behind Within Our Gates. Quote, abandoned by her fiancé, an educated Black woman with a shocking past dedicates herself to helping a near bankrupt school for impoverished black youths. So Eric Holmes, your initial thoughts of checking out within our gates, did it hold its power? Did you see the validity of this movie? Well, uh, to start off with, and I kind of hinted it at our, in our uh, last episode, this one worried me at first and body and soul does this too. The story kind of, seems to be sort of a mess like i didn't know what it was or where it just seemed like a bunch of random stuff happening and as i'm watching it like i could not follow it at at all and on top of that the uh there's a lot of dialogue in this so and especially with body and soul uh you want to keep your finger on the pause button because that dialogue the dialogue titles go by really quick but the uh what i thought was a mess as the movie goes along and kind of coalesces now all that stuff starts to make sense and he's got a you know a, a, a contemporary filmmaker, uh, Quentin Tarantino, seems to ape a lot of his storytelling techniques because it you know it, it starts with these characters and then goes to these seemingly unconnected characters and then it's got another seemingly unconnected characters. And I'm like, I don't understand what, because I'm used to these older movies just going from A to B. And Oscar Michaud, at least in the movies we've seen so far, doesn't do that. He likes to jump around. He likes to go to different different areas, even likes to flash back in uh, certain areas. And uh, this uh, this movie really got me angry, but in like in like a good way, you know, seeing how uh, similar to how Paths of Glory got me angry because I see you see how the the certain characters are getting fucked over and how they're getting fucked over. And this is more than, I mean, you know, this is one of his race films, which I guess he was note that what they called back in the day, he would make what he called race movies. And, and race definitely plays a big part in both of these, but what I really loved in this 
And I think what speaks to today, even more than the race stuff, is how he is very critical of religion. Like, Mm -hmm. really, really critical of religion, almost to the point where he just flat out says that, uh, you know, basically posits that, you know, the the only reason why uh, they spread the word of Jesus among the black community is because they know it's bullshit. And they also know that, well, we don't have to, we don't have to help you now because you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're impoverished and you're being, you know, boots constantly on your face, but you get the, you get the false promise of uh, everlasting life once this is all over. And then, so, yeah, uh, probably, (laughs) probably not explaining this very well, but uh, there's, brains suck brains suck yeah the, the, this is really good and it, it just kind of seeing how seeing how certain characters in power utilize certain aspects of religion and their culture to constantly push them down and then you also even have the the other black character the air quote uncle tom characters and how they turn their back on their own people and yeah there's a, yeah, it, it it just really angered me a lot, but it all but in like a a way that was enlightening. I think, if that makes any sense, I don't know. You you know, Bruce, on a, on a basic level, uh, one of the things that I really loved about this was here's a movie that's released in 1920. Okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna get to all all of the the topical stuff in a second, but the fact that the lead actress, her name's Evelyn Prier, she was born 1896. She ultimately she passed early in 19, in the year 1932, and she um, I'm looking at Wikipedia. Wikipedia, she was known within the black community as, quote, the first lady of the screen. For me, just on a baseline level, to see Evelyn Prier as an actress, she had, for me, had presence. Mm-hmm. I was following her story. And it's amazing. It's a great thing to see a person of color today lead hit in the lead in his or her film. You know, it's it's great. You know, Steve McQueen's Steve McQueen's films are a prime example of that. Or Ed, we have a we have a whole abundance of that now. And it's still great on an individual level to see it today. But to see it a hundred years ago, where you think with silent film, it's just mainly going to be one color. And you're expecting that. You know, you're saying that's neither here nor there. That's sort of the growth of film. But here we have a filmmaker who's actually putting a woman, she's black, she's front and center, and then he's throwing all of these real-life controversial topics that no one wants to touch, even sometimes to this day. Did you find a lot of value with what this movie had to offer? Yes, yeah, uh, exactly what you're talking about and what Eric is talking about, too. As far as Sylvia, Sylvia, right, Evelyn Prier's character, Yeah, it, really great to see the actress have the central role, but also to see that she's playing at first you think she's just going to be kind of a love interest. I mean, and this kind of goes to what Eric's talking about where you have kind of all these misdirects or all these startings of stories that will eventually kind of come together in some ways or another. Once again, a kind of a modern sort of a film structure or just, he was just doing it as he went. He didn't have any rules, maybe (laughs) a little bit of both probably, but that very quickly, she's not just a love interest. Very quickly, there's a lot more there about her, you know, you know, kind of, you know, leading a cause for education. And then, of course, you get into the history of her past and all of that, which is really interesting. And then ultimately, also, I was struck by how how daring this movie must have been at the time it was made. I mean, this movie could be dangerous. You know, you talk about 
you talk about, you know, the Joker is dangerous filmmaking or whatever, right? You know, all these kind of things that people kind of come out with. This is dangerous filmmaking. I mean, I could see this being watched by the wrong people, getting him literally killed, you know, because yeah. it was saying some really bold stuff. And to say it in 1920, I mean, probably the only advantage he had was that there probably wasn't any or hardly any white audience seeking out or watching this movie. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds, if nothing else, it sounds like it might've got kind of buried on top of that too. But yeah, there's some stuff in the last third of this movie. It gets dark. I mean, it gets really dark. It's, it's pretty powerful. I thought. Yeah. Within our, it gets very powerful, very, very powerful film. And you know, the fact that it's not even, you know, it's not playing in your, your, your matinee <laughs> right down main street. It's playing in black communities, but still it's, pretty pretty gutsy i think eric you're talking about a little bit the non-linear stuff i one of the things just on a on a cinematic level that i found interesting is you think it's one movie mm-hmm. a linear film and then you go whoa it's a total flashback <laughs> a flashback in the third act did, did that did you love that real just jump because i think that's that's a gutsy thing to do even today and number two that's amazing to do in the silent film era. I thought that was pretty revolutionary. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with my ignorance of, I mean, lately we've been watching a lot of older movies for sure, but it, you know, my own ignorance is like, Oh, I, th- I know, I know what silent movies are. You know, this was before they did this before they did that. And, you know, they, they didn't have the contemporary storytelling techniques like we do now. Well, this movie proved me dead wrong on that <laughs> because uh, you know, I, I was just, conf- I was just, confused because i thought it was bad filmmaking or bad storytelling as it turns out it's actually brilliant storytelling and it all it all everything gets earned everything pays off in yep. in wonderful and and sometimes horrific ways and uh i i, I did and I don't know if I should have done this, but I did it. it but uh, a lot of times, because it's a silent movie, a lot of the uh, dialogue is on on the titles, as people have. I'm sure you've seen those before. But there was a uh, what, what's the main character's name? Prier. Yeah, the main character Evelyn. Yeah, Sylvia Landry, played by actress Evelyn. Yeah, so, so the schools are closing down or being threatened to close down because they don't have money. And she she comes across a wealthy white lady that's gonna maybe give her money, and uh, she runs into her. Yeah, and then literally, so the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, and then the uh, lady that's uh, probably gonna donate the money is talking to this racist piece of garbage human white lady that says wasting five thousand dollars on a school is plain silly when you could give a hundred dollars to old Ned, the best colored preacher in the world, who will do more to keep Negroes in their place than all your schools put together. These are the kind of like hateful, bigoted people characters we're dealing with and who the who per character needs to overcome and so when i say this movie pisses me off it's it's characters like her where you know here's someone and and this kind of you know this kind of uh, goes in with you know today which is sad that you know stuff here's someone that i have money i can help the school and someone's talking them out of it why (laughs) because you're that much of a garbage human being you have to i have five thousand dollars disposable and they need five thousand dollars for the school i can give it to them and here's little miss fucking garbage humans it's like no just give them a hundred dollars and keep for yourself it's like why what who does it who does that help it helps no one and then and then the movie goes and shows you that preacher it does like a flash 
sideways, I guess, it doesn't have yeah. to study in the past, shows you that preacher. And then I guess I shouldn't say what happens. I'll say it. Say it. Uh, <laughs> but, say, but then, but then she says, okay, I'll give them $500,000 or $50,000. Right? Oh yeah. Which is like the equivalent of almost half a million nowadays. I ha- that, that was one of the trivia things I looked up. And I'm like, that was pretty cool. And once again, uh, I want to go back really quick. We're talking about the flashbacks and all that. In the end sequence, which is almost all a flashback, there's something else that happens that's really cool. And I'm not going to talk about the events that are happening. But there's also where he's doing this thing where he's doing parallel events happening at the same time. Which is also, to me, a really modern technique. Where you have parallel action happening at the same time. And it's, and it's almost... And if you know what I'm talking about, I think you know what I'm referring to. There's something happening to Evelyn while there's something else happening to her family. And it not only is like, it, it really, it really was, was rough. I, I mean, I don't know how, I was surprised by how, how much that worked. So from an, such an old movie, you know. He, he, here's, an, here's another, uh, here's another title. And I believe this was uh, old, old, uh, the preacher guy. Leave it to me, gentlemen. I always preach that the vices and sins of white folk will end them up in hell. When the judgment day comes, more Negroes than whites will rise up to heaven. This is the kind of mind games that they're playing with them in the church. It's like to almost to appease them. And this really angers me because this actually, this, this is stuff happens, but Oscar Michaud paints this, paints this kind of treachery beautifully. It's, Hey, it's, it's okay. You don't, you don't need schools. You don't need a, you don't need education. You don't need a better life because, because this will help you in the eyes of the Lord. And once you're dead and can't do anything about it, 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 it it's almost just like, you know, but, but this will, this will shut them up. And oh, it's, just, it's just so infuriating. But I love that Oscar Michaud was able to beyond beyond the race stuff. And although that's tied in with it, but it I love that a movie this early was able to so concisely point out many of the flaws and many of the, you know, the, the way that I think religion hampers a lot of people. Yes. Well, I was looking, I was reading some stuff and I, a researcher said a person she's uh, had a lifelong just fascination with Oscar Michaud and she said the way he painted his his canvas as far as being a filmmaker is he painted in sort of declarative sentences where mm-hmm. he's making a concise you're like you were saying concise point maybe it is a broad stroke like that but sometimes you're making amidst that stroke there's so many nuances and what's so interesting is just on a on a just a plain level it's great to see people who are marginalized in cinema. You you watch this movie and you get wow! All of here are characters who get the chance to act, to play a real human being, a real character within this milieu of this really topical, controversial, hard hitting story. I just this was sort of a revelation to to watch. Were, were you really surprised? Oh, Bruce, you're saying? I want to say I wanted to make one more macro level of angering on this to take it out to another another shell, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to bring up the other thing is when you're in film school or film appreciation class or whatever that might be, what is one of the earliest movies they always show you? Right. Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Birth of a Nation, where the kick the K is literally the heroes at the end of that movie. Just that alone and not showing this movie is just showing you how even just uh, in the society itself, it's perpetuating and like, you know, shelling out, you taking, you know, edging out the, the, 
images and the stuff we're talking about right here, this like revelatory, right? Like we just had to kind of randomly discover this because, you know, even as film lovers, Eric just had to say, Hey, let's go watch some movies by this guy. He sounds cool. And here we are. Why, why do we have to do that? Why isn't this like front and center? Yeah. You know, you know, you know what I wonder, Eric, I, I wonder, Oscar Michaud, he, he was credited with over during his career. We were only doing the silent stuff for this episode. Over 40 films directed, right? Wrote, writ, written, produced. He's also his own marketer. So he's, he's bringing the, can, the reels or whatever to, to, all these, to all these theaters, hoping that they would show it. I wonder if during his career, if he ever had the chance to, quote unquote, you know, maybe sell out or placate an audience with if he ever had that kind of temptation where say hey you know if you make your story a little bit more palatable to the general audience maybe you'll make more money it seems to me just from watching the little thing it's just from watching these two movies because they're five years apart he, he felt he felt to me like a very uncompromising storyteller and i think that's one of the many reasons why he's interesting do you do you feel that way well, about him or well also the the limited research i have on is it, uh, it it sounds like he was actually quite successful in his day for for the most part it wasn't until like i think uh later on he did a movie that i think and i could be wrong again not a film historian uh, <laughs> although i guess i probably should be but uh that the way i understand it anyway and i could be wrong i think he might have done something similar to that maybe done a movie that people saw as a sellout movie or and so that i i I can't remember exactly but there was a movie that he did later on in his career that kind of effectively he started fizzling out after that and died shortly after but uh i think his earlier ones as far as i made money right probably yeah yeah they made they made money is quite successful which is very great to hear and but to bruce's point you know why why do we need a why do we need birth of a nation in film class when uh, when yes. uh, within our gates is perfectly acceptable and powerful? And look, we, we know about racism. We know about the anti-religion. We know like about all, all this stuff. The yeah. fact that this isn't the movie show the birth of a nation is shown where this should probably be shown instead is kind of uh, I don't know, maybe an oversight. I mean, to, to, to their credit, maybe they just don't know about this because I didn't. I mean, well, I can't. I can't say why didn't you know about within our gates when I didn't even know about this movie till like three weeks ago. So, well, I'm sure I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna be say I'm I'm sure there have been hopefully I would hopefully say a multitude. I, let's just say hopefully a healthy share of professors over the years had the intelligence to put on Birth of a Nation and then within our gates as a double header. And for those professors who decided to do that. We wish we could have M. Night Shyamalan conjure their spirits up and we could all have a nice beer with them because that would be awesome because that would be the perfect doubleheader for a film class. Don't you think? Is that not a no-brainer as far as counterpoints? Yeah. So, yeah. And as far as him being successful, 1919 through 1948, Bruce, written, directing, and producing, or that that's a... That's a 30-year career. That's I, I don't know. Not many filmmakers have that kind of run, I think. So it's, it's a pretty yeah. successful career for Oscar Michaud. Before we get – so that is within our gates. It, for me, it's a solid solid recommendation, high recommendation. It's like see it, not just as a PSA, but see it as it's a solid film and immersive movie. So high recommendations for both of you? 
Yeah, and and uh, like like I said earlier, I would yeah. warn you may be lost early on. Stick with it because it it all yeah. comes together. It all pays off. I saw your letterbox this morning. We should Bruce. talk about you. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I saw your letterbox. Ahead, you gave it, I think you gave it four and a half stars out of five. So you were you're high on this as well. Very high. Okay, cool. And you were saying, yeah, what, I yeah. um, I would say also to people like there's different places to watch it. You can find this on YouTube. Two, I found the Library of Congress version on YouTube, which is pretty good. Uh, I'm assuming it's pretty close to the Criterion version. The only other thing I would say, so I know we, Eric and I had a little conversation because he liked it actually silent. That kind of let him, I think, sink into it. Yeah. I personally, I feel weird when I watch a silent movie and it's not silent. So this one is silent. It didn't, the one I saw didn't have any soundtrack at all. Um, you can actually make your own soundtrack. That's what I did. Or uh, you can, in your personal taste, for me, it's something about a silent movie. If I don't have some movie, some audio spackle back there, it just doesn't work for my brain. So that's the only I would say that. Yeah, and Eric, you have a, you have a, that's a really interesting thing. Do you get a lot out of it without the music as a counterpoint? Yeah, uh, well, uh, it, within our gates, the version of that I saw was silent. It was Body and Soul that had the music. And I, I just, I put the music on pause. Wow. It, it, it's weird ever since, uh, ever since I watched Sound of Metal and I put it on pause. I love I'm the like, music on Body and Soul. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I like the music, but it was just, it, it was just distracting to me. Kind of like uh, when I watched, uh, when I watched uh, Sound of Metal and I put it on pause at that one point and I just kept finding myself being drawn more and more because I'm only watching the visuals. And in the case of uh, these movies, um, I'm also contending with the large blocks of text, like trying to read it real fast. Uh, but then I just had my you know, finger on the pause button. As soon as the title came up, I'm like pause. All right, let's read this. And, okay, play. All right, we can. <laughs> yeah, but for, but for me, it was the uh, the silence. It just drew me into it more. But I think to Bruce's point, most people, if you can find some uh, music to pair it with, I think most people might prefer might prefer that. And there's really? I, yeah. and there's probably versions of it with a different uh, vampire. When we saw Vampire, there was uh, music in that that was different than what would have played back then. But you know, it kind of enhances it a little bit, or gives it a different flavor. And I'm sure the same is true for these as well. When I'm watching silent film, Eric, I don't want my silent film pure. I want it to be slathered with with new new. Or- and then, by the way, the you just rock out. You just yeah, rock out hardline. If the, yeah, yeah, rock out. No, I want if it's not. And by the way, if the if the music isn't orchestral, I'm out. Uh, so. Uh, no, so I I'm a, actually saw this on the Criterion Channel. They have a new they have a new score from this guy named DJ Spooky, and it sounds really good. It really helps. It's kind of like cheating, but it really enhance. I'm gonna say it enhances the experience of watching within our gates. So either way, all of us highly recommend the film. Bruce, you wanted to say something before you're out on this? No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. Okay, before we get to Body and Soul, I just wanted to share this regarding Oscar Michaud. Daily Variety piece, which I, which I found, just Google searched it. Quote, had it not been for an Oscar Michaud, there certainly couldn't be a Tyler Perry. So Tyler Perry said his main influence is Oscar Michaud. That was his big inspiration for starting his own production company. And Tyler Perry, whether or not you love, hate, are neutral regarding his body of work. This guy is prolific. And Perry was actually his North Star was Oscar Michaud. And currently he is trying to get a biopic off the ground on Oscar Michaud. I hope 
I am so excited. I really hope he he gets that off the ground. Eric Holmes, would you like to see that that kind of thing just surface? Yeah, I, absolutely. In fact, I'd actually like to see Mike Lee either remake one of his movies or maybe do a biopic on him. Because I, I, I think with the uh, dialogue of Oscar Michaud, there's a lot of that uh, not really fourth wall breaking a little bit, but it, you, you can see that there's kind of uh, some some attitude to to what he's bringing to the dialogue when he's describing a scene that uh, Spike Lee also has, and I could I could see the the two if the uh, if Spike Lee and Oscar Michaud were working together. I, I could see those two as kindred spirits. And it, Hey, if Tyler Perry wants to do a Oscar Michelle biopic, that'll be the first Tyler Perry movie I see. And I'll gladly watch that for sure. Tyler Perry co-star in Gone Girl. Don't forget, right? We love oh, Tyler. I, I saw Gone Girl. I saw the Star Trek, but I'm talking about Tyler Perry. Like, I haven't seen any of the Medea movies. Um, same here. They're great. Uh, same. I don't know. I have no idea. Same here. Bruce, have you done the, any of the Medea films? Any of that stuff? I've, I've seen think, some Tyler Perry. I think I've yeah. seen some of the really early ones where it was almost literally a stage play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So body and soul. I There's so many things to say about Oscar show, but I, I was thinking just daydreaming today. I would love to hear just the, the behind the scenes on making body and soul just to see Oscar Michaud and working with a sort of a, ah, just a pretty green Paul Robeson, you know, and I was thinking who'd be great as Paul Robeson, maybe as a young Paul Robeson, maybe someone like a, a John Boyega would be great as a Paul Robeson because he has that same kind of charisma. And then maybe someone else as Oscar Michaud, like the making of the, the making of body and soul. There's so many things to say about Oscar Michaud, but okay, let's go with body and soul right now, written and directed by Oscar Michaud based on Oscar Michaud's novel, Quote, a minister is malevolent and sinister behind his righteous facade. He consorts with and later extorts from the owner of a gambling house and betrays an honest girl. So Bruce Perky, you were highly impressed within our gates with within our gates, body and soul, your overall impressions of this film headlined by Paul Robeson. I really like this one too. I don't think it hit quite as hard. I mean, just a, a smidge less. Within, within our gates because it's not quite as broad of an, an epic a story but this is really good this is also really good and right out of the gate paul robeson i mean he he is really good too you can just see i think this might be his first feature role maybe yeah i, probably, I thought i read yeah. something about that yeah um and he kind of plays two characters he plays another character his brother a little bit in it not very much i think he's really good in this movie i think he he and um, the main actress, actually the main actress and the mom, all three are, are all really good. And very similarly to Within Our Gates, this kind of starts out a little bit confusing as well. Like you have, a, it does something very similar where the characters are all kind of introduced independently and the, there's several storylines introduced and then they kind of come back together. And I think there's some flashback stuff in here that I was even, even a little bit more impressed than the end of Within Our Gates. Hmm. And Eric Holmes? So, yeah. Eric- you guys think? Yeah, well, Eric Holmes, what did you think of, of of Body and Soul? Kind of the same. I love this one, too, and also very angry. This movie illustrates gaslighting very well. The, yeah. the oh, you're, you're, a, you're a liar because this other person, again, with the, with the religious thing, I, I think Oscar Michaud probably hates religion almost as much as I do, which is probably <laughs> why I love this movie so much. But it's like, well, how could he possibly be lying about that? He's a he's a man of God, and you are not. So therefore, you must be the liar. And uh, the, yeah, the, it, there's so much uh, because you follow you follow the the character 
and you know that she's on the up and up and you know that you follow the preacher character and you know that he's a piece of shit because you've been, you know, he, he's a con man. This one also angered me, but also much like uh, within our gates, it angered me in, in great ways because it put a, a shine a light on, you know, the way that uh, we listen to people or don't listen to them based on their, where their social status is. You're not this, you're that, and this person is this, so therefore they're right, whether or not they are, and going no deeper than that. And uh, yeah, th- this one had, uh, and again, like the uh, like uh, within our gates, this one kind of starts off messy, but also coalesces. He, it seems to be, he, he likes to, he, he's like the proto-Nolan, I think. He likes to, <laughs> he likes to play with time. Um, but yeah, this one, this one, uh, the, the flashback on this one was fantastic. And that, that one was like, Whoa, shit. Cause like, uh, they, they recreated scenes and replayed scenes just a little different. And so you get to see how, uh, what happens before an earlier scene that you've seen that you watch and yeah, but dude, (laughs) I'm so, I am so happy. (laughs) <laughs> we finally know who Oscar Michaud is. Yeah, yeah, and I cannot I'm, wait to dive into more of his movies because both these are and and these are just randoms that we picked out of a hat. And uh, according to you, that the Body and Soul, you thought it was a different movie, so this one was <laughs> even more random than the one I yeah. picked. Yeah. And they're fantastic. Just picking two out of the gate. What what, what other gems does he have? I I can't I can't wait to watch more of his stuff. Again, this is also available on Criterion Channel. I pay money. Um, There's not no sponsorship. By the way, someone needs to pay Bruce from Shutter. Shutter, if you're listening, he she he pimp, pimps out Shutter every single week. <laughs> the Criterion Channel. I don't pimp them out as much, but I pay money for the Criterion Channel. But if you really, uh, you know, if if you decide to sign up for the Criterion Channel, one of the reasons why to check it out at least for a month or however, try maybe it's 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 thirty month. If, if they have like a first month free. Go for the first month free and start checking out the films of Oscar Michaud. Regarding Body and Soul, there is Eric was talking about a flashback. We don't, we're not going to spoil it for you folks, but there is a storytelling situation that Oscar Michaud employs regarding the third act of the movie, which will set, will, which will make you at one point maybe roll your eyes because you've seen this point done before in other movies, but. Hopefully you'll say, wow, considering this movie came out in 1925, pretty awesome. I, I thought, did you guys, Bruce, did you feel that way as far as, far as the sort mm-hmm. of, yeah, yeah. So I, I was really, um, yeah, I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I really love that little, that little, that big uh, kind of like twist regarding body, body and soul. Also a couple things, even though it's a Paul Robeson film, it's headlined by Paul Robeson. He is the one who has the main, as far as the energy, everything is is all about him, you, you'd think, because he's the main star. It also has some really good performances by Julia Teresa Russell. She plays the girl, Isabel, who is sort of the quote-unquote victim of the Reverend, the Reverend played by Paul Robeson. The Reverend is actually not a really Reverend. He's a, he's a shyster. He's a criminal. That's the whole point of body and soul. And Mercedes Gilbert is Martha Jane, the mother of Isabel. So this is very important because you think, if you think this is just an Oscar Michaud and Paul Robeson film, you'll be, you're incorrect. 
because Mercedes Gilbert and Julia Teresa Russell, they really are sort of the secret sauce that makes the whole thing work, in my opinion. And I think one of the things that really is sad for me, I haven't done the research, but I wish there were more historians and archivists who would who would have kept up with whatever happened to Mercedes Gilbert, what happened, whatever happened to Julia Teresa Russell. I could, all I, all I know is on IMDb, Julia Teresa Russell, she ultimately uh, spent an entire life being a school teacher. She ended up dying at a hundred. So she was a hundred when she died in the year 2000. How the heck, how the heck do we not have tons and tons of literature about her working with Oscar Michelle? She, she had a hundred years. I mean, she had, Maybe she did this, let's say if she did this when she was 25, people had 75 years to talk to her about Oscar Michaud. And yeah, Mercedes Gilbert, who plays a mom, you think it's just a, a normal mother role? That's what you, we see a ton of movies. We, we, we kind of know how this whole thing shakes out. But here's the thing. I'm, it's not a spoiler, but the mother plays an important role in this whole movie. I thought he was, I was surprised. Were you guys surprised at how intricate a storyteller Oscar Michaud is considering the subject matters he was trying to, trying to um, tackle. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I guess we haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, he was an author. A lot of these stories that he tells in film was based on novels that he wrote or stories that he wrote. And so it, it's kind of cool to see him use storytelling methods that work in novels. And he's kind of trying to pull that into the medium of film, which um, you know, it definitely confused me early on, but it totally works. And I think, I think that's kind of what helps, uh, at, at least for me, it's what helped drew me on, drew me in to begin with. And Bruce, you were talking about the ending of body and soul without giving too much away. There's people, all, all people need to do is read up a little bit. There's, there might be something they'll, they'll encounter. Yes. And I'm sorry if I'm lagging a little bit, so you might not get my answer right away. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I won't talk. I won't talk about it. But um, there is something at the very, very end that you might kind of be like, "What? That's not an ending for this movie." But it wasn't something that he intend, intended originally, and there's a reason why. And I won't go into it. Let you watch the movie. It doesn't ruin it. I mean, the movie is is great either way. But I mean, it might pull you. It it kind of pulled me back a little bit, and I went, "Wait, what?" So yeah, okay. yeah, they, yeah. The the ending is kind of and and yeah to uh, say that they change it to whatever. I I the that that's actually another kind of interesting thing about movies like this is when you go you know kind of go back to the time and see what what decisions were made then and why they were made then. It kind of makes sense. But yeah, the the ending, the body and soul is not great, but. Just turn it off, really. <laughs> this is like high tension. There's a there's a certain part like high tension is a great great horror movie, and if you stop it at a perfect time, it remains top shelf horror movie. But then it kept going and kind of ruined it. Just pretend that doesn't. Same same with Body and Soul. Body and Soul is fantastic. Just cut off that little bit and just it didn't happen. Pretend that part didn't happen, and it still kind of works. I think. Well, I will I will say this. I thought the ending. Because I'm weird like that. Uh, you know, Raising Cane is my favorite film from Brian De Palma. I like the ending. I like the final ending. But we're, me and Eric and Bruce are in agreement. Both movies are very good. Ending of Body and Soul for me worked really well. Eric still really loved it, even though you were saying turn it off at the end. I would love to hear what you guys think about the end 
of body and soul. I did like that. The artist that's behind it. I'm on just watch right now. And I'm looking at a whole bunch of where you can find Oscar Micheaux's films thing. That is a little bit, I don't want to say infuriating, just a little bit. Ah, there's out of his 40 plus films, there's about maybe 10 or 11 available right now via streaming. And most of them are packaged in the criterion channel. So it's an enclosed kind of situation. Good. Yeah. Thumbs up for that criterion channel. But you know, there's, there's other things I'm seeing this 1938 film, God's stepchildren, prime video, direct TV, epics film, the film detective. But you know, honestly, there, there has to be a way that there's, there should be more streaming services, picking up the work of Oscar Michaud. I think I have a feeling if if Tyler Perry ever comes out of that with that biopic on Oscar Micheaux, I think there's going to be an uptick. Does it surprise oh. you guys that the, that his stuff isn't really readily available? I mean, should it be more? I mean, it's I think it's a little bit ridiculous that. Well, well, first of all, kudos to Criterion, just not just with this, but just in general. I mean, yeah. that they have that reputation of uh, kind of preserving films and and not just you know not just the popular stuff, but stuff that you might not might not find otherwise and criterion's great at that and you know kudos to them and hey if tyler perry if 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 he makes this movie and this gets more people to watch uh oscar michelle movies especially uh within our gates uh to bruce's point this is dangerous storytelling but like not like dangerous like oh don't let anyone see it but dangerous in that like this, this his movies could his movies and his stories can I think really inspire people to kind of push back on aspects of society that might be holding them down. And I, they absolutely should. If Tyler Perry can bring more people to Oscar Micheaux and that gets people to kind of reconsider what's going on and what's holding them down in their lives. Hey, I'm all for it. Go Tyler Perry, make all the Oscar Micheaux biopics you want, get everyone's eyes on his movies because it, it's it only good things are going to come from this because I think Oscar Micheaux has uh, really he was clearly angry about some stuff and he definitely had things to say about things and he did it in such a wonderful way and such a clear way uh, that you can't really interpret it as anything other than what he's going for and it, he, he's brilliant storyteller and the more people they can watch him the better I think uh, closing out, Bruce Perky, what is the most, uh, what did you find about your research of Oscar Micheaux? What surprised you the most about him as a filmmaker? I, I think all the things we've mentioned already mostly, and that was kind of the boldness and the the daringness of kind of his vision, his presentation, as well as the the way he he really did some unusual things structurally. I really like that. And one little thing we didn't mention, this is just a small little thing. I love the way he introduced his actors and characters. He didn't really have normal credits. He would do the thing where he would go like a new character get introduced and introduce the character and the actor playing the character, like in the flow of the movie. And I thought that was kind of cool. I hadn't seen that before anyway, but yeah, the, the structure and the boldness of his storytelling, I think were the two biggest takeaways for me. Okay. Very cool. And Eric Holmes, lastly, do you think that, None of us really knew who Oscar Micheaux was, and all three of us are cinephiles, diehard cinephiles. Thanks to you. Thank you, Eric Holmes. We now know who Oscar Micheaux is. Do you feel that Oscar Micheaux is as far as like translatable, whether you're watching it with a score or not, or just as a pure silent film, do you think this 
many even many more movie buffs who really can really appreciate his work just on a on a grand scale yeah yeah uh, definitely and also and we mentioned i mentioned this earlier it goes beyond just the race thing like he made these as race movies race films but he like with the with the gaslighting and the anti-religion stuff like he he hits on so many different problems with our society and they all kind of coalesce and everything's just really focused. He's fantastic. And, you know, I, I, I guess I got to put a little bit of blame on us, you know, just not yeah. us three specifically, but just us in the, in the As general culture, sense yeah. of, of cinema files. I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many filmmakers and so many movies and, you know, I think, I think it would be a good idea if, we got a little more, I don't want to say brave because that sounds stupid, but you know, Hey, I don't know what this is. I'm going to check it out. Hey, this doesn't look like it's my cup of tea, but I'm going to check it out anyway. And, and that's because there's so much, there's so much to be uncovered in the history of film. You know, when we talked about Elise Guy Blachet and Ida Lupino and now Oscar Michaud, you know, we know, we know Steven Spielberg, we know James Cameron, you know, we know the Russo brothers, et cetera, et cetera. We know Quentin Tarantino, we know Spike Lee, we know all these, but there's a, you know, it's always the, since we've been doing this podcast and when we pick on, just pick up movies, like I have no idea what this is. I'm going to watch it. Usually end up, really interesting at the very least very interesting at best life-changing and so and there's there's plenty more to uncover and that that's why i love doing these director spotlights especially like when it's like a oh yeah i haven't heard of that haven't seen that movie and usually more times than not it's it's uh you know something enriching okay that is our spotlight that That is our spotlight on oscar show yes this is just a tip of the iceberg we could go you know, one of these days we're going to have so much knowledge on Oscar Michaud and his his work. We can go. We can do a forty hour podcast on Oscar Michaud. He's had such a the breadth of his work is amazing. But for right now, body and soul, and within our gates, good way to start. And you know, in the spirit, in the spirit of what Eric Holmes is saying, that hey, we know Spike Lee, we know all these. I was going to throw in Sidney Lumet, John Frankenheimer, you know, all these Aaron Sorkin, all these filmmakers. These are obvious choices for our director spotlight. I believe in two weeks, it will be my turn to pick a filmmaker. I'm going to have Bruce Perky. Who am I going to pick Bruce Perky in two weeks in the spirit of Eric Holmes? I think you're going to pick Michael Bay. Mm, I think you're going to pick, um, yeah, uh, uh, Maya Darren. Maya Darren. I'm going to pick Maya Darren. The reason, listeners, okay, it doesn't, pl- it doesn't play on audio, Bruce. He was being hesitant, but he knew it immediately when I said it. He, Bruce Perky knows Maya Darren. And that is, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I, I, the reason why I had Bruce Perky, I wanted him to pronounce it correctly because you know what? We learned from each other on Find Your Film. I don't know on what episode, for some reason, Bruce Perky and his offhanded remarks, I, 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 I think you probably remember that as well. Eric Holmes. He just mentioned this. Oh, my Darren meshes of the afternoon. I'm I'm thinking, what is what is this guy talking about? I looked at meshes of the afternoon, and it looks interesting. Have you ever heard who Maya Darren is? D E R E N. Eric Holmes. No, Eric, Bobby Darren related to Bobby Darren, maybe. Bob, Bobby Darren, Mac the Knife, one of my all time favorite songs. We're gonna cover that on on a Bobby Darren spotlight down the road. But Maya Darren is not in no relation to Bobby Darren, but 
Bruce, a little bit, you could see a little bit, um, she influenced people like maybe David Lynch down the road. You think she's had a huge influence oh, on cinema? So no. old. <laughs> okay. So maybe, yeah, I was, you know, I was going to go with a safe route and say, Sidney Lumet, let's go watch like maybe, let's go watch a, a couple of Sidney Lumet movies. But that would be like the, my entire life, way too obvious. I want to take a walk on the unpredictable side for once and get to go. You know, Eric Holmes, you have a tendency, you know, you, you're picking all these key cliche and then you got to, here you go with the Oscar Michelle. Yeah. I, I got I got to step up my game. My Darren. And Bruce did Joe Dante, maybe an obvious choice, but a fantastic <laughs> one. And <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you got to throw in the Joe Dante, right? We're doing all these trailblazing, always, always. trailblazer cinema, uh, you know, filmmakers and you throw in Joe Dante. I don't mind that. I'm not gonna hate on Joe Dante. We're gonna end. We're gonna end this find your film spotlight not on my Darren or or Joe Dante, but we're gonna say, hey, go check out more Oscar Michaud films. Please check them out. Tell us what you think. Go on the Criterion Channel if you don't have enough money. Check when they have a free like free escape plan for 30 days. First thing you do, watch a bunch of his movies. All right, guys, take care, and we will see you next week. <laughs>